0: What is? What is? What is? is, is biblical counseling?
1: Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness.
0: I think what you just said made me look at those scenarios differently. God replaced all my junk with, with a beautiful light. God's really been changing the way that I parent my children.
1: The most amazing thing is the sufficiency of His Word. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters
0: University, and certified biblical counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and this is the final episode of our series on the mind versus the brain. As you have heard, we have dissected the culture's use of the term mind and attempted to reinterpret it through the lens of scripture. Really, that's what we should be doing in all areas of life. Using the Bible as the lens through which we interpret the world. But in this particular case, I wanted to help start with a biblical understanding of the brain and the mind and to show you that the biblical authors were aware of the difference. So Paul uses terms like outer man when discussing the brain or when discussing one's head, as he does in Ephesians 5 or 1 Corinthians. Jesus uses the term head in Matthew 10:30, or Matthew is going to capture the cranium, the place of the cranium or the place of the skull. So remember back to that episode that the brain does have its own semantic range and biblical authors, Jesus himself used terms to cue us into that. But then the mind also has another term that is used. And when the mind is being spoken of, it is immaterial. So for your mind to be renewed is not in some way the organ of your brain being revitalized. Or for your mind to grow into change, Darius sets his mind to something. The craftsmen of the tabernacle, as you may recall, they had been gifted in their mind to be able to craft and to build the tabernacle. So the New Testament doesn't change that. The New Testament is using the mind, the noose in an immaterial way. And so remember the key takeaways are going to be that the brain is not the mind and the mind is not the brain. And I read this statement about three episodes ago. This is something that I've drafted to just help encapsulate the idea. But the authors of the Bible don't see them this way, nor should you. The hairs of your head or the place of the skull are tips to cluing us into the fact that the authors knew exactly what they were talking about. So for Paul to say that the mind needs to be renewed, he was indeed aware of the outer man when he said mind. Or he could have said the outer man needs to be renewed, but he intentionally and accurately said mind. So what do we do with the understanding of the brain? We must see that it is the outer person. And what do we do with the mind? We must see that it is the inner person. You know, I, I expect a level of disagreement to some of these episodes, but the disagreement I care most about is my own putting forward to you the interpretation of the brain and the mind, because that's our rallying point, what the Bible says. The disagreement that I anticipate may come around psychotropics or mental illness diagnoses or the understanding of our own diagnosis with the mental illness. But fundamentally, I want you as the listener to be engaging in reading the Bible and reading the Bible about what it says with the brain and the mind. So, from there, as you've noticed, we've gone to psychotropic meds, not just meds in general, but psychotropics, your anti anxieties, antidepressant types, SSRIs. We got into a little bit of understanding how a mental illness is diagnosed and what criteria are used. Uh, The general assessment was that even internally within psychiatry, it's understood that the DSM 5 brings a lack of validity or verifiability. It's symptom-based, and there's medical jargon that's then used to diagnose people based off of symptoms, and so it it starts to become kind of fast and loose, and I have used that term not to connote that there are psychiatrists that are malicious and they're trying to hurt people. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that things start to expedite, which leads to people being given a label. It seems like it is a medical issue, but there's no medical explanation for the issue. And I've actually received a couple of emails already about this idea. Uh, Those were actually encouraging, things where people were like, oh, that was helpful, Dr. Gifford. So I appreciate those, and I commend you to continue to email in greg at transform.org to be able to help speak to these issues. But when we think about our mental illnesses, last episode, I wanted to give you the understanding that when I am given a label or my child is given a label, I want you to interpret it more as a tendency, not a medical disease. And if someone says you have PTSD, you have ADHD, you have major depressive disorder, then I would encourage you to say, okay, thank you for that feedback. Let me interpret that through the lens of scripture, which means that's more of a tendency, but not a medical illness that's terminal or or going to be with me for the rest of my life. So that brings a level of hope, you know, but I lectured on this in the fall of this year and I actually had multiple, com- multiple people, excuse me, come up and begin to share with me questions. And I thought, you know what? Those are really insightful questions. So I wanted to capture some of those questions now. And then our last segment, I would like to reinterpret mental health for us. So what were those questions about? Well, uh, one of them was really fascinating because it was a gentleman who did not have the capacity to speak. So we spoke through an ASL translator. And there was an ASL translator there at the conference, and he came up and he asked questions about brain damage and how that affects the mind. Uh, So I answered that question as best as I could. And then, sure enough, three or four people just behind him were asking, okay, what about dementia? What about Alzheimer's? What about those that have had a significant concussion, traumatic brain injuries? And all of those questions were basically from the same category of how does the brain affect the mind or... Can the brain stunt the mind in some way? So I wanted to answer that question for you, because sometimes we're thinking, what about significant brain impairments? I know in college, I worked with those who had special needs, and part of the special needs was that uh, one gentleman, he was on the autistic spectrum, and so he was what would be termed severely autistic and nonverbal out of that. So due to his autism, he could communicate with you, but primarily through sign language. However, he knew everything that you were saying, even though he was nonverbal. So you could tell him, hey, so-and-so, we're about to go do this. And he would, he would understand, or, hey, let's go get in the car. Totally got it. So at that time, he was late teens, 18, 19, somewhere around there. So, um... I don't know, that's 10, 15 years ago, so he's, he's probably early 30s by this point. So when you think about instances like that, I do want to be candid that the brain does affect the expression of the mind. You see, for some of us, we, we don't give enough credence to the brain as being that filter through which the mind expresses itself. So when you see things like a person who has a deteriorating or degenerative disease of the brain, like an Alzheimer's or a dementia, we want to give place for that and say, yes, the mind is still active, but the brain is affecting how that mind expresses itself. And there are those that have significant brain impairments. And what we know is that the expression of the mind and cognition as found in the mind is impaired. And for the way we would interpret that with a, an able-bodied brain, and I hate to use the term normal because I don't even know what normal is anymore. I think the only normal we can say is Christ-likeness is true normality. So I don't want to even say able-bodied brain. As Sometimes I just want to say in comparison with what others would experience with the organ of their brain, we would say there seems to be damage or limitations, brain damage. And that doesn't rock our worldview to say, yes, the organ of the brain is affecting the expression of the mind, but that is not to say that the mind is equally as active. That is not to say that the mind is still functioning. And I would not wanna reverse engineer and say, well, the brain is now putting thoughts into the mind because that's not true either. The inner person, the mind is the source of your actions and your thoughts. And so technically your immaterial heart is that term that we would most often see in scripture. So does the brain affect it? Yes, the brain does affect it. And just on a very small scale, if you are fatigued, haven't slept in a while, you can become delirious, you can have hallucinations, because the organ of your brain is affecting the expression of your mind. But what's still the engine here? The mind. So I remember counseling a gentleman who was a police officer and he was at a traffic stop directing traffic and a car ran right through the intersection and hit him in the process through that he had a traumatic brain injury and actually had to have brain surgery he had this big scar across his skull showing some of where that damage had taken place that forever impacted his speech how fast he could talk it slowed down his ability to express his thoughts quickly and his wife told me that those were all changes that had taken place after the accident. So in that, in that incident, it is an example of how a traumatic brain injury does affect the expression of the mind. And when we understand the mind and the brain still, that's, that's no problem. We understand that. and We want to give place to that. We want to accommodate for those that have brain injuries. And we want to do our best to make it easier for them to express themselves, be more patient, more understanding use other means to communicate yes sign language whatever that is those are all rightful things but yet we would still not say that your mind has been injured because your mind is immaterial and your mind and and this is not to be crude but your mind cannot be damaged so let me say it very basically when i go on a bike ride and wear a helmet i am not protecting my mind i am protecting the organ of my brain And when I'm wearing a helmet and you're wearing a helmet, we implicitly know that we're trying to protect a very important organ of our body, which is the brain. But the brain is going to be that filter or that expression, or it's going to hinder or help the expression of the mind. It is not going to be placing into the mind certain thoughts. It is not going to determine what the mind does and says. So we got to stop. Let's take a short break. When we come back, I'll just add a couple of further thoughts, and then we'll talk a little bit about mental health. So we'll be right back.
1: And we're gonna take this quick break, be back with Dr. Gifford in just a moment in this last episode in his series on the mind and the brain. And as we do this, I wanna take a quick look at one of the resources that you can find on our website at transform.org. It's called From Pride to Humility by Stuart Scott. And this book provides some very thoughtful approaches to combating sinful pride. And each and every one of us struggles with pride. I don't care who you are or how much actual success you've had in dealing with pride in your life, it all rears its ugly head from time to time. And in his book, Scott says that the proud person is unteachable because he's puffed up. He has an inflated view of his own wisdom. I know many of those folks, and hey, guess what? I'm actually one of them at times, myself. It's very good insight from Stuart Scott in his book, From Pride to Humility, which you can find in the Transform Store right now at transformed.org and producing resources like Transformed, Road Trip to Truth, Wretched Radio, Wretched TV, Breaking Bread, all of the resources that we are blessed to be able to produce here at Gospel Partners Media. Well, it all takes a lot of resources and that's why we are asking if you would prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner because when you do that, you help us create content like Transformed. Transformed. So, if you can visit us at transform.org and get all of the information that you might be in search of and join us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, we would definitely appreciate it. Transform.org is our website. And speaking of equipping, one excellent resource that you'll also find available on our website is The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. Oh, you've heard us talk about it. You've heard Dr. Gifford talk about it. That book is a crucial, crucial book if you want to be a biblical counselor. And we are urging you to be a biblical counselor if that's something that you thought about. One of the things that Sandy teaches in the book is when we deny or hide or escape from conflict, what we do as believers is we shrink back from opportunities to demonstrate the presence and power of God in our lives. Being a peacemaker is not turning a blind eye to conflict. It's actually engaging in conflict in a biblical way that actually draws about resolutions. It's Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. It's available at transform.org. I urge you to get it right now. Very powerful perspectives in that book that will help you get on the road to becoming a biblical counselor if that's something you thought about. All right, well, that's going to do it for me. We've got to get back to Dr. Gifford now as he wraps up this last episode on the mind and the brain. This is Transformed.
0: Welcome back to Transform. We have a tendency to let our feelings be the engine that drives our lives. And when we do, despair is soon to follow. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. Thanks for coming back and finishing this series with me. Thank you, Jimmy, for all of your hard work and keeping us organized. And I would like to finish our time by just putting a pen in the idea of brain injuries and then reinterpreting mental health for a second. So in the last segment, I was finishing with the idea that there are traumatic brain injuries and concussions and degenerative diseases of the organ of the brain. They do affect the expression of the mind. So just be okay with that. Be clear about that, what's happening. So technically, when a person gets dementia and they become super mean, what is being expressed is their mind, and that's what was there all along. But that's why we also see people get dementia and actually be very kind and sweet and gentle because where is that coming from? Their mind. So a degenerative disease of an organ is not reverse engineering and planting thoughts in cognition or changing my thinking. It's affecting the expression of my thinking. And even to the experiential calls, some of you have met individuals who would be called nonverbal because of some uh, brain hindrance or the organ of the brain is damaged. And I think autism, extreme autism, can be an example of that. When you think about those instances, a person is still highly communicative. There is just a hindrance to the expression of it. And I remember working with the gentleman I mentioned in the last segment. He understood every word I was saying. He just did not have the ability to communicate. There was a brain issue for him. So when we consider those, yes, that's what the Bible would say. That's how we would interpret those issues. So, if grandma gets really mean, what does that say about her mind? Well, the brain is not putting mean thoughts into her mind, it is revealing that those were there. So, dementia, Alzheimer's, degenerative issues like that do speak to what was really in your mind all along. So, last couple of thoughts for you, and I do want you to grab your Bible for these. Third John chapter two, as I've been chewing on these ideas for the better part of two, two and a half years now. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. What an interesting thing to say to Gaius that he has such a vibrant spiritual life that John wishes that his outer person, his physical health, would be as vibrant as his soul. And he doesn't use the term soul health here, just to be clear. Because health is technically a medical term, and when we're talking about the term health, we are saying free from illness or injury. I just at a very basic level, that's what it means to be healthy. You're free from illness and you're free from injury. So what mental health has done is it has conflated, it has contorted, and maybe, let me find a different word. contorted is kind of weird. It has confused, your immaterial self with medical terminology. So to use the term mental health in and of itself, at the end of the series, hopefully that just bristles you a little bit because you're like, well, not really. When we talk about health, we mean that in an organic sense, that you're free from illness or injury. So for me to say you have a healthy mind after listening to these episodes after thinking carefully about what the Bible has to say about the mind, it's a little bit of a confusing way to express it because mental health connotes a physiology and an organic wellness. But that's not the mind. The mind isn't physical. The mind is immaterial. So when I use hygienic languages or medical model languages, I do begin to confuse things. The problem is that mental health is so ubiquitous as a term that it almost feels impossible to remove it from the culture. Uh, it's almost necessary to just simply reinterpret what we are saying. So to completely jettison this idea of mental health, I don't know if that's possible apart from the Lord doing something significant. There's a month dedicated to mental health in North America. Some of you have employers who are now giving you mental health holidays, and that's a time for reprieve, a time for r a time for refreshment and maybe you're having a bad day, they would say, great, it's like a sick holiday. It's a mental health holiday. You take them. The term mental health is confusing because we're we're blending medical terminology with immaterial realities. But if I'm using that term, according to the scripture, what should I mean? I should mean something like this, Romans 12, 2, that you have a renewed mind all right, I don't like the term health and mental to go together because I actually think it's confusing, but if I have to use it, then what should I mean by it? Well, I should mean that your mind is actually growing in Christ's likeness, which is the Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And every good awana person says, yeah, transformed into what? Well, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind transformation takes place in the immaterial. So what is the healthiest mind according to the scripture? It's not one that can think rapidly, just to be clear. It's not uh, in some way related to your ability to do math. It's not connected to your ability to do debate. You know, you can think nimbly on your feet, and that means you have a healthy mind. According to the scripture, what is the healthiest mind? If I have to use that term, it's the renewed mind, the renewed mind. And as a Christian, at the moment of your conversion, what has taken place is you have been capacitated with a new mind that is growing in Christ's likeness. And according to Ephesians four twenty three, you are being renewed in the spirit of your mind. God is renewing you and refreshing you and restoring you. Romans 12, 2 you are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you're using it in another way, there is an interpretive step that you have to take. So what does is, what is third John have to do with any of this? Well, he's wishing that Gaius's physical health would match his inner person, his, his soul's vibrancy. And I don't want to inject soul health there, but I do think that it's an important thing to ob- observe. I want your outer person to be as well as your inner person. We have all known people that have a vibrant inner person, but their outer person is wasting away, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, and 18. So hear me on this. Hear me me carefully on this. You have to reinterpret mental health in our current culture. And when you hear mental health, I want you to think the renewing of your mind that's really what it means so you have a culture that is coming up with secular methods to renew the mind and yet we know as Christians that there's only one way that we can do that and that is through the Holy Spirit's work in our life he alone can make us new that's regeneration at the moment of regeneration he alone can sanctify us and set us apart so that we we are becoming more and more like Jesus So if, if master's university were to say, Hey, here's a mental health holiday, I'd be like, "What? that doesn't make sense. First of all, but then secondarily, I'd be like, okay, what am I going to do on my mental health holiday? I'm going to go read the Bible. I'm going to go listen to sermons. I'm going to find an awesome book to read on transform.org. And then I'm going to go read that book and invest in growing in the renewing of my mind. You see, when, when you hear mental health and you, you hear invest in your mental health, I want you to think Bible, church, prayer, meditation on the scripture, memorization, the attributes of God, the promises of God, good Christian resources, biblical references. That's what I want you to think of. But you have to interpret or reinterpret. Because if we create this whole nebulous category of mental health and then begin to get into some weird form of meditation or some weird form of introspection, we're actually missing the point because the scripture is going to be the foundation for how your mind is renewed. What are you going to think God's thoughts and how do you know them in the Bible? So if you have to use the term mental health, then use it in such a way that it is the renewing of the mind. And the healthiest mind in that way is going to be the renewed mind according to the scripture, not the darkened mind, Ephesians 4.17-20. through 20. Not the darkened mind, not the sensuous mind, Romans 1.28, but the renewed mind is the healthiest mind. So here are the key takeaways from this series. First of all, the brain is not the mind and the mind is not the brain according to the scripture. Listeners, if we grasp this as a generation, that is going to be the foundation for clarity moving forward. Mental illnesses will be addressed, psychotropics will be addressed, labels will be addressed when we let the Bible do what the Bible does best, frame how we understand this world. So let's start there. Let's stay there. The Bible is right. The Bible is true. And we're going to believe what the Bible says about us. And when the culture is offering confusing terminology, what are we going to do? We're going to reinterpret that back through the lens of Scripture. And once again, in God's light, do we see light, Psalm 36, 9. So I pray for you that God would use this series to help you to bring hope and transformation and to also provide clarity for those that you love, both children, siblings, parents, however you're interacting with mental illnesses and mental disorders right now. So I got to be done. Let me pray for you. As always, feel free to write in with questions and comments, and I'll do my best to address those in future episodes. Lord, I come to you at the end of the series, and I hope that you use this to give people hope that your word is right and your wisdom is best. May we trust what you have to say, and may that give us not only hope that there are answers, but actual hope for genuine and lasting change that can be found in Christ through the gospel. May your spirit be the one that is bringing us the best health of our mind, that our minds are renewed because of what your spirit is doing. And may you be honored and glorified as we follow you more and please you more. So we ask for your help in this, in Jesus' name, amen. This has been Transformed
1: with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? And until next time, go serve your King.